This morning, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with us, we'll be in Romans, the 23rd, or chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. Before we read this, I want to get us all in agreement. Do we believe that God is a good God? Oh, that was weak. Do we believe God is a good God? Do we believe God loves us? Do we believe God can forgive all? No. No. If you'll stick with me a minute, we'll find out. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned. Do we agree with that? All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption of His Son, Jesus Christ. God presented Him as the propitiation through faith in His blood to demonstrate His righteousness. Because He is resist, He is restraint God, because in His restraint, God passed over sins previously committed. God presented Him to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time, so that we could be righteous and declared righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, we've always been told, and we teach it. I went to camp one day this past week, and they, they put a little diagram up and had a little circle around, and it had like murder, stealing, cheating on a test, lying, disobeying the parents. And these were all sins that God had outlined when he gave them the Ten Commandments. And he asked the kids, Brother Jim asked them, would you rank those, what's the worst sin? And all the kids in there, and I was so proud of them, I mean all the, the junior high students were there, and they were all looking and they said they're all the same, sin is sin. And we often talk about that in our lives and in our sermons and in our Sunday school lessons. That sin is sin. There is no difference. That everything is sin. If we miss the mark, the Greek definition of, of sin is one step off the path you're traveling. One step. The Bible says that if we miss the mark, we're not doing what God wants us to do. We have sin. Well, let's flip back over to John 3 and 16. And see what John has to say about it. In John 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world in this way, now, I'm using the fancy Holman Baptist-approved translation here. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His only, one and only Son, that everyone who believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. And we stop right there, and we put that on t-shirts. We hold it up on poster boards at ball games. We put it on billboards. Churches will put it on their church sign. And it's a good verse. 
Because it gives us the assurance of how much God loved us. Now today is Father's Day. And I, I want to ask you men, even in the teenage years when they knew more than Methuselah or Solomon, either one, they had seen it all, done it all in their teenage years, would you allow your son to be sacrificed for somebody else? There was times I would have took Brandon out like Abraham did, tied him to the stake, and I believe I'd have put earplugs in because I didn't want to hear nobody say, Stop! But I didn't do it. And I wouldn't do it. And I look at my little grandchildren now that are growing up in the in church that love God. And I think, how? How could they send this to be sacrificed? How could they give up that life? John goes on to say in that same little paragraph there, For God did not send His Son into the world that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But what does the rest of that verse say? But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and the only Son of God. So with that being said, are all sins equal? Are all sins the same? God can forgive everything we do wrong. In Romans it said that God in His restraint went back and forgave our past sins. If I ask you to be honest this morning, is there anybody in this room that can raise their hand and say, I had past sins that were forgiven? God took my past and wiped it out. Started over with a clean slate. When I was in mercy and I had the heart attacks and I was laying in bed that first morning and, and, and if you ever have the privilege of doing it, don't. Have heart attacks and be in the ICU at mercy because they've got this camera. And, and every morning when you start to move, that camera senses that you're awake and it will turn and look at you and somebody somewhere, some other part of the world will look through that and tell you, good morning. I was laying there in the bed and I opened my eyes and I kind of stretched and I slid up and the and it, camera turned around. I didn't know it. The camera turned around looked at me and said, well, good morning, Mr. Pierce. If you hadn't had a heart attack, you are on the verge. <laughs> and when that person said, good morning, Mr. Pierce, the first thing I thought was, God doesn't know my first name. <laughs> and he's got a funny accent. God will never call you by your sin because His Son's blood washed away all of our sins. It wiped them all out. There was nothing left. And the best thing about that blood that His Son shed was that He still washes today. And you can look at your life and you can say, but you don't understand how messed up it is. 
I may not, but God does. And you can look at your life and say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but God knows the plans that He has for you. So when we start talking about sins, we always want to make somebody else's sins worse than ours. We always want to make somebody else look worse off than us. You ever done that? You ever justified your sins by saying, well, see what they're doing? Well, I may be wrong, but I'm not as wrong as she is. Or I may not be right about it, but I'm more right than they are. You ever done that? They're judging them. And on top of all that, why would you be worried about their sins? I'm going to be honest with you. I've got enough to keep up with me. I don't have time to follow everybody around. Some of y'all here this morning, this may come to a shock, but it's not all about you. Everything is not based on how you are. Our society today thinks that how I want it, when I want it, where I want it, and what I want it to be is how it should be. We as Christians have become that way in God's house. We want it our way. Don't talk to me about sin. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and I don't want anybody condemning me or telling me that it's wrong. We have sin in our churches today that is more rampant than that that is in the world. And that is sad. We've got ministers making millions and millions of dollars a year proclaiming, do what makes you feel right, not what is right. Do what makes you feel good, not what God instructs us to do. It is such a sad, sad thing that we have in our churches. We studied a few weeks ago in Jude and we talked about it, that men would stand up and boast and talk just to hear their own voice and to tickle their own ears. As long as you're telling them, boy, you are the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're great. You're wonderful. But they're refusing to tell you that God is alive and well today. His Son is still sitting in His right hand, making intercessions for you and I. And His Son's blood is still available to wash away your past, your regrets, your your hurts, your pains, your sorrows. And He's ready to throw it all out when you call on His name. With that being said, do we look at sin and all sin the same? John describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. I could have been John. I could have been. I'm I'm as humble as John was. 
When, we, when I was going into the cath lab one night, they were hollering, hang on, Mr. Pierce, hang on. And I said, I'm going to. I think an awful lot of my wife's husband. And the nurse went, what did he say? <laughs> the other nurse said, I, I, I think he thinks a lot of himself. I said, no, I love my wife's husband. He's a good man. I could have been John. Jesus loves me. Guess what? Jesus loves you too. One of the greatest things about being a parent is to make every one of your children think they are the most special one. If I ask you right now, were you the favorite child growing up? How many of you could raise your hand? And I'm not talking about single, you know, solo kids. I'm talking about kids, multiple. I was the favorite my mama had a shrine built to my little brother just to remind her she had him. She had another one to my oldest brother. <laughs> my sister ran off when I was little. Well, no, she didn't run off, but she got married when I was little. My grandfather, everybody he came in contact with was the most special person he knew. Everybody. On his last open heart surgery, my grandmother, little four foot something red headed ball of fire that loved him like no other, was standing at the foot of the bed looking around, and, and the nurse is like, Honey, he's okay. The surgery was fine, everything went good. Grandmother's crying. And they're like, What's the matter? My aunt standing there beside her. She said, Mama, what is it? And she said, I've never went out of the room at night or never went to bed that I didn't kiss him good night. Well, he had tubes and hoses and everything. They don't do it as fancy as they do now back then. They just took Black & Decker. They ripped you down the middle and spread it out. If you think I'm kidding, you need to watch YouTube it. <laughs> My grandmother pulled the sheet up over his foot and kissed his big toe and told him good night. God will find the one place to reach you, to touch you, and to let you know that He loves you more than anything else in the world. But we look around today and we'll watch television. And to be honest with you, I don't watch the news. I don't. It is the most upsetting thing that you can do today. I used to watch the news and I would see local high school heroes. People that had done something fantastic and great. Or you would find a segment in the news about a store somewhere in the, somewhere in the town or the area that you lived in that was doing and helping out those that were less fortunate. And then when the 24-hour-a-day multimedia news sources become available. That all got pushed to the side. And we start hearing about everything in the world. And even if it's not true, they'll still tell you that and make you believe it. We look at our society today and we see people that are murderers, child rapists, robbers, Thieves. 
And you watch them. They'll put them on television and they'll make them famous. We'll, they'll write books and we'll buy them by the millions to hear their story. And it all boils down to my mama didn't love me like I needed. My daddy didn't pay attention to me. It's their fault, not mine. Recently, a young child in, te in Texas became drunk, so drunk he, he ran over and killed four people. His mother put him on a plane, got on the plane with him, flew him out of the country to keep him from being prosecuted. Because his past record showed it was a habitual offense. It had happened over and over and over. When they got him and they brought him back to the United States and the judge looked at it and he listened to the boy's story, he let him go. Because the judge said he wasn't raised correctly. Now let me tell you how that story would have played out in, in Horton, Alabama. I would have looked at a six-pack of beer. My daddy would have slapped me in the back of the head with the back of his hand, and my mother would have took a belt and wore me out till I got to the car. And if I had ever done anything that they were looking for me, my mother would have stood on the front porch with a bed sheet waving it. He's right here. Come get him. But we don't do that today. Because sin has become pushed down. There is no sin. The world looks at us doing whatever we want. It's the way that we should be able to live our lives. Well, the disciple that Jesus loved, John, wrote some other books. If you want to read along or you can just listen. In John, 1 John chapter 5. Verses 16 through 17. John wrote, If any man sees his brother committing a sin that does not bring death, he should ask and God will give life to him. Now you see your brother committing a sin. Are you going to commit that sin? I used to work with turkeys, and I will tell you this, other than chicken and, and, and chicken farmers and turkey farmers, the turkey is the dumbest animal that there ever was. I have been in plants at night when we were so short we couldn't run because they had a leak, and the first turkey walked up and went and drowned. The next turkey walked up, stepped on top of him and drowned until they were piled up. We as Christians, we walk out and we see sin, and what do we do? Let's go look. Can I get a part of that? And we get so covered over in it. Instead of praying for our brothers that are in sin, and praying that God would convict them, and God would lead them, and use our life as an example for them, we go right over and get in the midst of it, and see how much we can wallow around with them. But John said, God can forgive that sin. Because there is a sin that doesn't bring death. The very next verse. 
those that don't commit the sin that doesn't bring death. There is a sin that brings death. Now, if you look back into the Greek and the Hebrew word, the word death does not mean instantaneously you're, you're zapped and you're gone. That's not it. The word death that is used here by John, it means spiritual and eternal life and damnation. So yes, there is a difference in sin. And yes, there is one sin that God on the final judgment day will not and cannot forgive. Verse 17. There is a sin that brings death. And I'm not saying that he should pray for that. For all unrighteousness is sin. But there is a sin that does bring death. What is the sin that brings death to man? It's rejecting God. Not accepting and believing that He is the Savior of the world. Not accepting His Son's love and mercy that He died on a cross to forgive all of our sins. The sin unto death is that if you do not accept Him, He will not accept you. They at Pentecost, when they were all there and the Holy Spirit was poured out, they, the, Paul, Paul describes it and Peter talks about it and John tells us about it, that it was poured out like you were dumping a bucket that never ended. And it just pours out and pours out. When Christ said, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to send you a comforter, and God sent the Holy Spirit, He poured it out all over us. You and I have to make that conscious decision on whether we're going to open up and receive that grace and that Spirit or we're going to turn our cups upside down and let it run off and run off empty. There is a difference in sin. Our sins that we commit, when we commit sin and we go to God and we say, I'm sorry, and I want your son's blood applied and, can, and relieve me of that debt that I cannot pay. God will do that. But if you turn your heart away from God and you reject Him and you walk without Him and you lead others down that same path, there is a sin unto death that even God Almighty can't forgive. I see people... We, we, we talked a little bit in Sunday school this morning about him. Brad said that him and his brother had experienced it. I've experienced it. You see these people standing on the side of the road and they're holding up a sign at the intersection. And your heart's torn. Do I give or do I not give? Do I help them or do I not help them? There was a young girl that stood at the Jane Walmart over on the Exit of the parking lot for five years. She was 16, scared and pregnant. Five years. 16, scared and pregnant. Brad said they offered a man money to go just do cleanup around the site. He told him he could make almost three times that amount of money standing right there. 
I passed a guy one day holding up a sign that says, I'll work for food. I was short-handed. I stopped. I said, get in. I'll buy you dinner. I'll take you down here. I can put you to work tonight. And he was, I don't want to work. I just want the food. How many of us as Christians are standing with a sign held up? Your sin's worse than mine. How many of us as Christians are listening to God's Word to go love and to go tell, and we don't? The sad part this morning is, how many are sitting here right now, sitting in this room, that God is calling you Sunday after Sunday, Monday after Monday, Wednesday after Wednesday, telling you He loves you, He cares about you, and He wants you to be His. And you walk out and reject Him. You walk out that door and you never look back. And then you wonder that afternoon, why are things not going? Why don't I have somebody to talk to? Where is my peace and joy? When we look around this world and we look in our own lives and our own hearts and our own church, do we see people that are committing that sin? That sin that leads to death. Do we know what to do with that person? Do we know how to share with them, how to witness to them, how to love them, how to lead them to Christ? One of the saddest things that I have ever heard is somebody saying, we need to go find somebody to lead this person to Christ. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Came in a vacation Bible school one night. We walk up. Pastor's not there. People are having, they're going crazy. We don't know what to do. We don't What's going on? We've got kids that want to be saved. Well, great. Well, pastor's not here to tell them. Me and my cousin had come back from taking our group off, and we we walked down the hall, and the first door I opened up was the 8 to 10-year-olds. And one of our little girls, 8 years old, is standing there in front of the blackboard, and she's got something drawn here. She's got a cross, and then she's got a cloud. And she looked at a fellow students and she said, Christ died on the cross. If you believe in that and you accept that, you're going to heaven. If you reject it and deny it, you're going to hell. And I closed the door. And they said, what are you doing? They need help. No, they don't. She's got it. You accept Christ, you go to heaven. You reject Christ, you go to hell. That is all there is. We try to complicate the gospel so much and add so much to it. Oh, you want to be saved? Well, here's this book. Read this book. Fill out this card. Go through this 12-step program. Go to these seven or eight classes and then come back over here three or four months from now and tell us if you really want it. God's Son did not die in a a 12-step process. God's Son did not come down to this world for us to tell people to go find it on their own. What was His great commission that He left us with? What was the final thing He said? 
Go tell. Go tell. This morning, we have people here in this church that if they died right now, wouldn't know if they'd go to heaven or hell. Would not know where their eternal life would be spent. This morning as they come to sing, we get ready to close out. This morning as you stand, as I pray and we stand, I I want you to keep your heads bowed and I want your eyes closed. And I want you to search your heart in your life. And I want you to see in your mind's eye, your heart in your life. Are you assured that if you died right now where you would spend eternity? Is there any doubt in your heart or in your mind? If you've got any doubts, let's do as Isaiah said, come and let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they'll be washed as white, as white as snow.